This is The Art Life. Hello, I'm Zandra Robinson-Burns, writer and the protagonist of Heroin Training. Today's episode is on inclusive reading goals, and joining me today, as always, is my co-host, actress and activist, Grace Gordon. Grace, how is your art life? Zandra, my art life is interested. I... As we discussed in our last episode, I left Patreon last month and I had a little more time right now. And um, that time in the past week or so has been going to exactly what I wanted to go to, which is I have been able to just spend more time catching up with fellow artists and peers and new friends virtually. I've had so much more time to learn about people's lives and connect. And my art life is just very interested in other people right now. And um, because of that, and because it's a cool story, I actually want to share something that my roommate and fellow artist Katra did today. I got her permission, but in keeping with my, my goal of being more interested in others, um, can I share a story from Katra's art life? Yeah, how is Katra's art life? Katra's art life is so adventurous. So she's not here right now, else I would just call her in to to do this herself. Mm-hmm. Um, Katra's doing a, a commercial shoot. She's an actress as well. She just um, booked it a couple of weeks ago, and, and today she uh, went to Catalina, So she basically had to take the ferry over to Catalina and they're staying in a hotel tonight and tomorrow. And there's, you know, rapid COVID testing and all of these things for like a one day like print shoot. Um, It's amazing that the industry is figuring it out. But uh, so Keitra knew that she was going to have this day in Catalina because the ferry leaves in the morning and the shoot is until tomorrow. So today, after getting tested, checking into her hotel in like this little island, she found a place to go zip lining. Oh, and she's <laughs> never done this before. And it randomly came up in conversation a few weeks ago, totally unrelated to our to her her shoot. But I think we just she was like, that's something I would want to do someday. That sounds amazing. That sounds scary. I really want to try that out. And then like, a few weeks later that's what she does and it's just i think it's so cool that she is the person in this you know cast and crew that are all going to be like holed up in this hotel who was like cool nice to meet all of you guys i'm gonna go zipline for two (laughs) hours so i just wanted to share that because i thought that was so art life and so cool so cool it makes me think of two things one i'm reminded all the way back to like episode three i think our art of the wander episode about talking about like getting to your destination a bit early to wander around and explore and you and i are like oh just like find a find a bookshop and just walk down the sidewalk and katra's version of that is zip through the sky (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, she's a Sagittarius, and I feel like that was oh a very God. Sagittarius <laughs> decision. Well, the the other story it reminded me of was one of my favorite Sagittarians, Janelle Monet. Did you know that she has a, I think it's for the Grammys, she has a skydiving tradition? What? She, like, went skydiving before the Grammys one year. And I think it was the Grammys. It was some award show. And then she was like, this was great. I'm going to make a tradition of it. So now every time to like prepare for going to this award show, she goes skydiving. That is going to be a great episode in itself on the art life. These traditions mm-hmm. that we create around our, our not just award seasons, but our practices, our daily practices and how we celebrate our wins so tune into that in the future, listeners. Sandra, how is your art life? My art life is is attempting to create my own reality. So as you know, as you, Grace, know, my laptop is broken at the moment and it's in for repair. So thankfully, I am borrowing Steve's old laptop and we're recording this show okay but it's been this, this balance of how to navigate an annoying thing. So last week, I was laptopless while I was waiting for my appointment. And I was just really thriving in how I wasn't paying attention to the lack. I was like, I create my own reality. I am grateful for the workaround. I'm just going to keep going with what I have. And this is fine. And like, I'm only bothered by it if I let myself be bothered by it. And then coming into week two, which is where I am now, I'm starting to be bothered by it because I have harder things to do, like recording this show and making a video, putting a, an, editing a one minute video together for Everyday Wonderland, which I've scheduled the day for when it would usually take a couple of hours. These are like, the level up version of dealing with this challenge. And so what I'm experiencing is this balance of how much do I I let myself enjoy the positive and how much do I acknowledge that this is a challenge so that I'm not avoiding what I, I do need to be facing and figuring out in my reality. So my art life is attempting to create that balance. One of your favorite artists, Brie Larson, talks a lot about how um, being broke made her like a much better filmmaker because the constrictions that she had around what she was able to do um, made her short films earlier in her career like more manageable to produce and clearer in their vision because she only had so many resources to work with. And I do think about that a lot. So I'm wondering if there's any way that this has made your vision clearer or if there's anything you've discovered because you've suddenly had these restrictions. It's absolutely true about the constrictions creating clearer art. And I see this at the Fringe Festival every year, except this one, there was no Fringe Festival, but I see an artist suddenly get more budget than they know what to do with. And there's special effects and all sorts of stuff that is just distracting from 
the simple storytelling. So I do think about that. Um, I, I guess maybe this is my challenge to make this video a different way than I have in the past. I have my system and I, I felt like I was doing the, the simple version with the tools that I knew how to use. And so I guess, um, fine. <laughs> Everyone in Everyday Wonderland is going to get a different video tomorrow than they've seen before. And this is obviously I made the, the decision opposite. right now. Yeah, this is like the opposite direction, right? So it's like you're used to having more yeah. to work with. And now you have to just temporarily have less resources available. Whereas we're sort of, you know, Brie Larson or, or these artists at Fringe go uh, suddenly have too much <laughs> to work with. Right. So it's a different direction, but I'm excited to to hear about the silver lining of it or to see how it it causes you to um just to like do to mix it up as you're saying. Yeah. I did discover that I can do iMovie on my phone. I didn't even know that existed. So already already finding new things. I did the rare thing today in answering that question of like being in the middle of figuring this out and um, stay tuned for the answer next time. Well, I'm always excited by mobility and by what we're able to just figure out on our phones because we are very lucky to have like video editing software on our freaking phones. So mm -hmm. it's pretty cool to be able to experiment with all of that. So speaking of mixing it up, we have what I believe is a listener requested episode today. Um, Zandra, you had a couple requests from, I believe it was members of Everyday Wonderland, your community on there, to do an episode about inclusive reading goals, um, about how to choose a more diverse reading list or how to even create those goals at all. Can you can you tell me a little bit more about what was asked of you? Sure. I was very excited to be asked this and where it came up primarily was in the Secret Library, which is part of Everyday Wonderland. Once a month, one of our members is chosen to enter the Secret Library, which is all from my collection, books that I've read and and loved and I'm not ready to finish my journey with. So what I do with them is I make them available to send out in the post to Everyday Wonderland members. In the past few months of facilitating this, of being the secret librarian, mm -hmm. um, my members have asked for me to help them pick out a book about diverse joy and um, so this wasn't an episode request specifically. It's sort of a um, a general request of me as the leader of Everyday Wonderland to uh, to to be a leader in this way. And I realized that it's it's up to me to make sure that the pool of books in my secret library are inclusive in as many ways as I can. So to take that back a step my general reading must be inclusive for for this specific purpose, but also just 
as a person and as a writer, especially as a writer who writes so much about reading and about pop culture, when I challenge myself to be more inclusive in what I read and what I watch and what I consume in general, that trickles its way into into my art. So it's especially important for me. But what I love to hear is that the people that I spend time with, my patrons, secret gardeners in everyday wonderland, are also thinking about this. And I don't have the answers yet, <laughs> similar to our how is your art life discussion. I'm still figuring this out, but I thought it would be a um, a useful conversation to have on this show. And Grace, I know that you're doing this too, and you've been doing this for a while. And I would like to hear what what are the challenges that you have found in being more aware about diversifying your reading list? Well, I think we touched on this in a different an episode this year, just because you were talking about your efforts to read more diversely and realizing that even with that intention that was so clear, when you actually went back and looked at the numbers it was still a lot of white authors. And you had felt like it was you so balanced. And then you looked at the actual breakdown and it was like, oh, I could do a lot better than this. So in, a, in keeping with that, I think a challenge I have run into is just that we are so programmed to treat white often able-bodied cis male voices as the default moving beyond just race we are you know we are programmed to to view that voice as the default more than we even fully realize i have wanted to for example i've wanted to read more classics right like that's not something i'm educated in and I've wanted to read more classics but then I look at these lists and they're so white and often so male and so straight and I'm just like well okay if reading classics is going to be a priority then like everything else I read needs to be filling the diversity box And then I'm just reading things for the sake of crossing them off lists. And there's no joy in that. So I think that this, the understanding that we are so programmed to see white as the default or see a very specific perspective as the default or or the definition of classics is is very frustrating. And it is a challenge that I have to be aware of. I have to create um, rules around. I have to create boundaries around so that every time I pick up a new book, I am choosing actively to read more inclusively. Because if I don't choose that and I don't maintain that awareness, it is very easy to just slip back into reading one perspective. I'm curious what kind of rules you have if you'd like to offer an example or two sure so i mean one is just 
making sure that I'm talking to like librarians and bookseller friends, making sure that I'm getting my recommendations from people who understand my priorities as a reader and an artist so that I'm not just reading like classics lists or best of or uh, recent bestsellers. I need to make sure that the the recommenders in my life mm. are a diverse list of perspectives, a diverse group of perspectives, and that they they also have integrity about lifting up different voices. That's one. Yes. There are people who go much further into this with um, spreadsheets that they maintain where you do keep track of is this right? You know, is the author, you know, what race are they? What's their sexuality? Do they have a disability? I've seen spreadsheets like that. And I think that's incredible if you're able to, if you have the desire to and have the ability to track all of those things go for it. You know, if that would help, go for it. Um, I I do appreciate that Book Riot, which is a popular books-focused website, every year they come out with this thing called the Read Harder Challenge. And um, that's a good place to start. Book Riot, they do 24 um, basically like things you have to read every year and you, you a book can can meet multiple criteria it doesn't have to be you you read 24 books in a year but um just to give an example uh from this challenge it'll say something like read a mystery where the victims are not a victim is not a woman or um mm -hmm. uh read a memoir from someone from a religious tradition that is not your own um, read a doorstopper, which is a book over 500 pages published after 1950 written by a woman. And so they have these incredible specific challenge, you know, challenges every year. Uh, it's always 24, but, um, but they also have the recommendations for each of those criteria. So you're not just reading th that and going, I have no idea what what would meet that criteria. No, there's tons of recommendations that they provide for each of them. And so for people who are listening to this and are like, well, what are some rules that I could start with? Um, I think that the Read Harder Challenge is a great place to start. Wow, that sounds that sounds really fun, like a, a bingo board. It's exactly like that. Yeah, it's exactly like that. What about you, Zandra? I mean, what are the challenges that have come up for you and how have you worked around them? So I absolutely agree with you about being aware of how inclusive-minded my recommenders are. Um, because that's just, first I thought about how I choose books in general. And my preferred way is to is to read as a means to connect with people that I know, whether they are friends of mine or readers of mine or bloggers that I trust their opinion. Reading somebody else's favorite or recommended book is, is sort of like socializing for me. I much prefer to have a personal connection to what I'm reading than 
to grab it off of a, a list that I Googled somewhere. And that's just because I, I don't read as much. I don't read as many books. I'm a big rereader and a slow reader when I get to choose. Um, so that's, that's my luxury is, is reading fewer books. And so I like for those books to be, um, to connect me with somebody else. And one way that I am keeping track of inclusivity in my reading is through the books that I buy, especially in quarantine with our local library closed. I have really been allowing myself to indulge in what I I really love, which is curating my home library. I love buying books. I love talking to booksellers and going to bookstores now that they're starting to open again. And so I I accomplished a a life dream of mine, which is to have a book, a weekly book buying budget. So I have enough money saved. (laughs) That's heroic. (laughs) Cheers. Thank you. Yeah, I I started a book budget and um, every weekend I have a tradition of going to the bookshop and and picking out a book to read. and what I'm challenging myself to do is like at least every other book that I buy has to be by an, an author of color. That's what I'm focusing on. I love that because it's also just a very manageable goal, right? It's not a crazy spreadsheet. It's not a bunch of someone else's ideas about what you should read that year. It's a It's a goal that you can absolutely meet every week or twice a month or you know however it is Mm -hmm. like I just I I love the accessibility of that it is simple and what I'm finding is that often those books are inclusive in other ways too Mm -hmm. and I have I have totally developed an appetite for different type different types of stories and different writing styles than I knew existed before. So it is on one hand, on one hand, it is challenging because like I'm going to a Jane Austen conference. And so I'm, I don't own a com, I don't own a copy of Jane Austen's Juvenalia right now. So Jane Austen was my book this week. And, um, and just like the history of my reading experience from since I could read is, is like probably at 90 95% white. And so when I'm wow, like Wow, that number is so scary. I believe you. It, it's just yeah. like hearing that out loud. Grace, I can't think of a single non-white author on the Oxford curriculum. Are you serious? I'm serious. <gasps> wow. Yeah. <laughs> I just fell back in my chair cuz that's so upsetting. Yeah. And like a lot of that is because it goes back to old English and it's just, um, it's, it's just historical Britain, but, and there's like very little focus on, on modernism. Uh, but (laughs) yeah, it's uh, what, what's astounding to me is that I didn't notice as a student. 
Right. It's so obvious that I didn't notice. It's important to acknowledge, though, that this is this, you know, this episode topic. It's a hot topic right now. And that for many of us, it is a moment to go, wait, my entire school curriculum was white authors. Wait, how did that not even occur to me? Like, like we're we're lucky to be living in this time where with we have the information and we are able to say that's not okay. Mm-hmm. But you know, give yourself some credit that that was what was around you. That was the norm. And it is the default still. Grace, I was thinking about what you said in a previous episode about not being interested in watching movies about mob stories. Do you remember this? Oh, of course. I just went on this rant two nights ago, Zandra. So <laughs> it comes up a lot. Okay. Well, I I really appreciated you saying that because it kind of made me think there are all of these classic stories that are considered like the greats. And I was like forcing myself to try to relate to them when at the same time, I didn't have, I, I wasn't reading stories that I could relate to. I didn't realize that they existed. And a lot of the times, um, a lot of the times they didn't exist. This year I joined um, what's called the Subtle Asian Book Club, Ooh. which is young adult authors. Um, it's hosted by, I think it's, it's mainly young adult authors but it's hosted by a couple of my favorite book bloggers and I'll, I'll link to this in the show notes. Very cool. Um, But it's just such a great uh, resource of this, this reading list. And I just, I was reading these stories about like Asian women in high school. And I was like, where was this? (laughs) Where was this when I was a kid and wanted to write stories? And like, I changed the ethnicity of all of my characters to be white because I wasn't seeing any half Asian characters in in the books that I was reading. This was a pre Jenny Han era for me. Yeah. And I'm just like, wow, I made things so hard for myself because it wasn't even a decision. That was just, I was just doing what I saw. This is reminding me of a phrase I have decided to start enacting more often, to start saying more often which is ironically, and I do understand the irony here, from a Herman Melville story called Bartleby the Scribner. But um, in that short story, this character, Bartleby the Scribner, he just says, I would prefer not to. And when you know he's asked to work, to do his, at his job and do his work, he's just like, I would prefer not to. And this is like, this, you know, this story spirals downward from there. But I have actually been thinking about that phrase specifically when it comes to people recommending things to me that I have no interest in or um, or like, the, right, the circumstance of like, you have to see X, you have to see The Godfather, you have mm-hmm. to see or you have to read whatever, you know, insert, um, I'm just going to say Ulysses because it's the first thing I think of, but like I've, I'm enjoying saying I would prefer not to and I don't need to provide any explanation beyond that it's not my priority (laughs) yeah 
And on the subject of like fun and getting recommendations from those we love, one thing I also wanted to mention was just how um, it can be fun to to look at the favorite books of artists you admire or mm-hmm. celebrities, speakers. I'm going to link in our show notes to this website called Radical Reads, which is a very politically slanted uh, book website. And there's tons of recommendations from people like Beyonce or Lin-Manuel Miranda. It's all of their favorite books. So I really liked that because it's like having, you know, that relationship, that personal connection to maybe people we don't know for real, but whose art is important to us. And we can go to them and see what they're reading because those lists often are um, very inclusive and and full of things that I've never heard of before. Yeah, they definitely count as uh, recommenders. Yes. And, um, and it can be fun to even just do like a two-person book club. Like you and I have a little mini essay club where we read essays, books of essays together. I have the book you just sent me uh, sitting right in front of me. And I think that that's another way to like really enjoy the the inclusivity and enjoy the um, the the reading as a priority, the diversifying your reading list as a priority. Ask a friend to join you. Two-person book clubs are my favorite kind of book club. Exactly. And whether it's like you both just read it individually and hold each other accountable to do so or or you schedule Skype dates to talk about it as you go through it, like do it in whatever way you want. But I think that like bringing a friend in to read something with you is just it only makes it better. It makes the experience better. And then you're, you know, you're also expanding someone else's world. I want to close by sharing about my family book club. Yes. Eve. So we are almost finished now with So You Want to Talk About Race by Ijoma Aluo. And it's amazing. It's an amazing um, introduction to lots of different topics around race and each chapter is like its own uh like you you can read it in bits because each one is its own separate topic so we've been reading a chapter of that um in the evenings sometimes and then we really enjoyed this tradition of reading out loud after dinner and so we've picked out a couple more books for this home book club so next we're reading the gendered brain and then after that, Steve picked out a book about climate change. So we're picking these books to read about difficult, important topics together. And uh, and it's been really wonderful to learn the same thing, because often we'll be learning different things and then discuss them over dinner. But uh, I, I really enjoy starting with the same source material. What a beautiful tradition and something that can be carried out forever. You know, something that, I I mean, I just love the act of reading out loud with someone. That in itself is such an intimate and and lovely thing. But the fact that you're also 
learning together is just so beautiful. I love it. Grace, what is the art life? The art life is questioning. The art life is questioning the status quo. What is the art life? The art life must be inclusive. I'm just thinking about how even if like what you create as an artist is so far away from reading, the things that we read, the things that we include, um, the artists that we surround ourselves with, that will all impact what we create. So in order to create inclusively, we need to listen to. I love that. And I love the format change. Just a little bit of <laughs> just, art, like, just for this one. Episode. Must be. Yeah, I love that. Must. <laughs> is it time for our reader review? Yeah, we have a new tradition on the art life, which is on these host episodes, we are sharing reviews for, for our show that answer the question, what is the art life? Um, for those listening who didn't know we were doing this, the way that you get on the show is you answer that question in an iTunes review. Um, so today's review is from Lori, who uh, she she dropped a review of our um, recent interview with Bernard Addison. She said, listened to Bernard K. Addison, actor and teacher, on The Art Life while continuing to set up my pandemic-era office space. We needed a place for remote schooling, and I'm trying, for the first time ever, to have houseplants. Fingers crossed that I don't kill too many. But I wanted something to help make it easier to breathe, as houseplants do. In 2020, as we battle coronavirus, climate change fires, tear gas, and police brutality, breathing is not only life. Breathing is political. The art life helps us breathe. Oh, I have chills. Thank you, Lori. That was beautiful. So beautiful. And I love, always love hearing about people's art projects and art lives within their reviews or within their emails to the show. So keep them coming. Thank you. Thank you so much, Lori. Sandra, you've been doing some writing about uh, your your reading lists and um, and, of course, Secret Garden and your secret library. Where can people find your art? My art is all found at heroinetraining.com. That's where you'll find my essays and the portal to Everyday Wonderland. You may not know this. I'll reveal a little secret today that on my website, which uh, was recently redesigned, there is a little key at the top right corner. And if you click it, it'll take you to Everyday Wonderland. So... Um, there's the secret, but all of those things that I was talking about, the secret library, the secret garden, all of that stuff is part of everyday wonderland. So start there with your explorations of the um, behind the scene side of heroin training. And now that I am completely off social media, the best way to keep in touch is through my newsletter. So that is at heroinetraining.com slash subscribe. 
And I've started really enjoying sending my newsletter and have been sending some newsletter exclusives that are not also on the website. So that is the best way to be updated about everything that I'm writing and making. Grace, where can people find your art these days? What a good question. Um, I'm in this like shedding process right now with um, all of the different websites that I was sort of responsible for. And I've kind of let go of a lot of things this year because I need to laser focus in on what I actually want to be doing, um, which is this show and is like acting basically. Um, but because I am in the shedding process and have just dropped a couple of projects and websites, uh, I don't know how to answer that question right now. So people can find me um, on Instagram, which is Grace Gordon Official. I'm very active there and I post a lot about what I'm up to as well as I post my art, whether it's fine art or modeling work. So that's a good place to start. And um, until I have another project that I want to direct everyone to, it's Instagram or it's the show itself. So you're already here. You're already here. Well, everyone, from my side of the world, I wish you all a good morning. And from my side of the world, I wish you a good night. And for those listening who enjoyed this episode and have their own requests, we are so open to topic requests on the art life. So send them our way. Either to the P.O. Box or email us at theartlife at heroinetraining.com. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. This is The Art Life, a heroin training podcast with Grace Gordon and me, Zandra Robinson Burns. You can find us online at theartlife.show and send letters to The Art Life, care of Grace Gordon, P.O. Box number 4292, Valley Village, California, 91607, or email us, theartlife at heroinetraining.com. Our theme music is The Stream by Rory. Thank you for joining us.